What is going on, everyone? Mike back with another episode of Hobby Talk. Always thrilled to get an episode in. Hopefully, we'll get more and more, more and more consistency. Of course, I've been saying that for five years, but you never know. At some point, at some point, it finally happens and it finally changes. Today, I want to welcome my guest, Big Scott35. Scott, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to join the show. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. You know, I can uh, talk baseball anytime or sports cards or cards. Of course. And it's always a great time to collect cards. You know, sometimes maybe better than others. Who knows? Things are always changing. It seems like the hobby has been more and more wild uh, over the last couple years. But really, um, things are just changing and evolving all the time. I mean, one day, you know, then the next big investment, next thing, you know, the world's coming to an end. So you never know. Um, but the fact of the matter is sports cards are fun. It's fun to collect. And there's always a way to have fun collecting. You just got to uh, actually collect what you like, not what others tell you uh, that you should collect. But we'll just have a conversation today. Talk a little bit about the hobby, about what's going on, what we're looking forward to. Of course, the 2022 National Sports Collectors Convention is just a little bit over one month away. That's always a huge event, of course. You know what? Not everyone's going to be able to get there every year. That's just life. This year might be a little more challenging for some because, of course, the uh, way the economy is going right now and the cost of so many things that are necess- that are a necessity for the national in terms of travel and such. But either way, we're going to have a good time. You looking forward to the national still despite everything that's going on? Uh, yeah, and I am – Looking forward to it. You know, I think it, it gets tiresome to hear and tiresome to say, you know, the national is just more than a card show to, to a lot of us. It's a reunion of such, especially us uh, guys that are on, and gals that are on YouTube uh, or any of the social media, I should say. Uh, fam- uh, people that interact, it's just a way for us to get together and have a good time. But you know, this year, you talking about that, I, me and uh, Natsman will be driving up here. Hopefully, he'll wake up by then. And uh, so we, <laughs> we, we have to set aside a pretty good gas budget, you know, as of right now. But gas did come down here in the area a dime yesterday, so. I noticed. I did see a few places that were like 509, 515 a few days ago. Some were 499. I was like, ooh. Right. And, and that's, uh, and that's, you know, you got to take a, take, take that as a bright spot at any way you can get it. Um, you know, I've been seeing some posts, you know, I got money it, I, uh, for food and gas. Uh, but you know, you just have to adjust your spending habits and maybe not buy as much, but yes, I'm looking forward to national and looking forward to the reaction of the hobby. It's a good, uh, barometer of what's going on in the hobby yeah i'm certainly looking forward to it. i mean i'm always looking forward to it and atlantic city for me is not the perfect destination but i enjoy it due to the fact that it's certainly within driving distance for me so i have the option of going back and forth staying a few days um you know having that option of staying to the very last moment on sunday not having to worry about a flight that's a huge advantage 
Uh, and especially this year, like I'm interested and excited to see what kind of market there is. Of course, first and foremost, I'm always thrilled and excited to meet up with the community, to see people that I only see once or twice a year, people I see only once a year. Sometimes, like I said, you know, life is busy for people and you have stuff going on. So some people you only see every few years. Uh, I do think this year, my one, it's not really a concern, but it's, you know, something that I think about is the fact that it will be a bit less attended and maybe not in total general numbers. Cause I do think the Philadelphia, Baltimore, New York, all those Northeast States, even Boston to a degree, even though it's a little further away, like they're very heavy, collecting centers so i think you're gonna have a lot of people going down for weekend trips or day trips if they're a little closer so i think there will be a large attendance of people just coming checking out the show for a day or two but i think you will of course see a little less um, people traveling from the west coast or even maybe portions of the midwest you'll have some people who will hold back and they might do it just due to the difficulty of atlantic city because there's very few direct flights so you have that additional travel from either Philadelphia or New York via train, Uber, whatever you're going to do, that's going to be more time. It's going to be more difficult and it's going to be more cost. So you're going to have that naturally. But then, of course, with increased hotel prices, travel prices, I certainly expect a pullback there. So that's disappointing in a small part, just because selfishly, I want to see more and more people and have more and more uh, people to hang out with and see. But at the same time, there's going to be a large attendance there. It's, I still think it's going to be very, very busy. From what I've seen, I mean, the last Philly show was in February, March, that time frame. I mean, that was bonkers busy. It's just absolutely crazy. Uh, the most recent mall show I went to, which is never going to be a super highly attended show, but it's a good show. And it had a pretty solid attendance from what I saw. Now, granted, I was there towards the latter portion of the day, the two times I uh, got there, but everything I heard from the dealers said, yeah, it was a good show. You know, obviously you're not getting um, as many people going after certain high dollar cards, but I think collecting has still grown. And a lot of people, as many people came and went, a lot of people came into the hobby and have stayed and people are just readjusting and evolving. They're either going for some more vintage or they're going for more quantity over maybe so-called quality um they're just adjusting spending habits maybe they're buying more cheaper singles as opposed to ripping open you know five two hundred dollar boxes so i'm really interested to see how this national ends up performing overall uh yeah and you said you just went to that mall show i I did did watch your pickups and you bought you picked up vintage and modern uh, were dealers more willing to work with you or were they steadfast in in their pricing or, or how, did, how did that work for you at, at that mall show? I mean, due to uh, limited time, I didn't really get to explore as many dealers as I would have liked to have to kind of get a whole overlay. I mean, the guys I dealt with are usually pretty good to me as is, but they were certainly very willing to work and work at a deal. And, you know, I mean – the Phillies slash Harper stuff I picked up, like I thought I did pretty well on that. Like the prices marked, like I got maybe just under 50% off the sticker price. Now that dealer is really good at working with you and 
sort of the more you add to it, you know, kind of the better he'll do. But I mean, it seemed like guys were wheeling and dealing a little bit. I mean, I, I did see a few guys who had like, I'll put it this way. I saw some of the, uh, retail blaster box Kings, you know, I not really going to, uh, interact with them that much as is, but they seemed like I didn't see anyone near them and they didn't look as enthusiastic as some of the other, uh, long-term dealers. So maybe some of the short-term guys were kind of holding on and, you know, trying to get that top dollar and maybe they didn't do as well, but I can't say uh, for sure, but it just sounded to me like there's just still a good mix. You see families. Like I saw some kids there with their mom, like going through buying some cheaper singles, you know, spending five, 10 bucks. And and I think that's, uh, that's good to see to, you know, see a group of people and people buying different stuff. I mean, you have some people buying $200 autographs and you have a lot of people buying and enjoying the $5 stuff. And I think that's something that gets lost in this hobby. You know, you got a lot of the talking heads talking about, and you'll hear it on some of the big shows too. It's all about the Michael Jordan rookies and this and Tom Brady, this and, like, of course, we'd all love to have rookies of certain players and specifically like the parallels, but that's just not the reality for most people. Same thing. Like, I'll hear people talking, are you excited about Flawless coming out? Like, no, I don't care. Right. Like, <laughs> like in the past years, I would always buy a few of the New England players that were in Flawless. I haven't even looked this year, and I'm sure there'll be some that I can get a decent deal on. But like, I've never opened a box of Flawless and I never expect to. Because right. it was ridiculous five years ago, and now it's $6,000 a box. Why would I open that? That makes no sense. And most people don't do that. Way more people. A high percentage of the hobby. And let's just – I mean, Flawless is – I mean, they do make baseball. But let's just talk from a baseball perspective. If you take 1,000 common collectors and talk to them and be like – how many boxes of definitive did you break? It's going to be like three or four. Right. How many of you guys broke 2022 tops? It's going to be like 80%. And if it's not, you know, break, then they're buying team sets or singles or whatever. And that's just the reality. That's why they make a lot of tops. That's what people collect. That's what kids collect. The market for something like definitive that's, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars of boxes very very small doesn't mean it's not a great product it doesn't mean that you won't occasionally pick up a single from that product but that's just not what your average collector is going to collect yeah and and i have to admit when flawless first came out for baseball i did open up one box and now that was years ago when it was just uh a a one in front of the (laughs) but you, you know i just did it for I have to say funsies. I had the uh, the uh, money to do it, and actually, that box I got my money back from it, so uh, I wasn't too disappointed in it. But because uh, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But for me, I am a tops flagship base collector. I mean, that's what I want. I want the the rookie card base. I don't care about the number, the colors. Now I will pick them up in the players I like, but like the guys for the rookies of that year i just want the base card so to to remember that season by that, that but that's me i'm old school collector so i mean i love tops too because i love the continuity the fact right. that you can go back and see year 
after year after year and the evolution of the designs and the teams and such. And of course I'm a team set collector from tops and I, you know, I love putting together even just, I mean, I guess in a, in a perfect world where you had more time and more money, you know, I think it'd be amazing to do a binder set of every complete set ever put out by tops. That'd be amazing too. Shit. I mean, space would be an issue too with that, but I, I do usually, you know, take some maybe handful of cards from series one, two and update and just toss them in a binder. Some either good images or players you like, and you throw them in a binder and you just roll through them from time to time. But anyway, back to the national real quick, because, you know, we'll be all over the place during the course of this show. Um, <laughs> just to conclude our national talk, I, you know, mentioned about some of the people we're going there to see and such, and that's always a huge part. And, and there's many aspects of the national, right? It's the community, it's hanging out, seeing friends and, you know, having a good time. It's a vacation. It's an escape right. from reality. It's just being immersed in sports and the hobby and like literally – it's it's a bit of an overload, but just walking around, I mean, you don't even have to buy stuff. Obviously, you want to pick up some stuff, but just looking at some of the upcoming auctions, seeing amazing stuff that you can't even basically dream of purchasing, um, seeing what other people are collecting, what they're picking up, opening your eyes up to things you've never seen before. Those are all amazing aspects. I mean, it's wondrous just to walk around and look at stuff. It's like being in an enormous museum. So that's fun as well. But, of course, we like picking things up. We like breaking wax from time to time as well. Last year, you know, we had a resort to, like, 1991 Fleer Ultra or whatever it was, or 87 Tops. I can't remember exactly what we were breaking. 92 Fleer. I can't remember what the other one was. But, you know, and you might have to do that again this year. We'll see. But I am very interested in seeing what kind of market it is. I certainly expect it to be a buyer's market. Of course, for me, like my number one target will be pre-war Philly stuff, oddball stuff. That won't be a buyer's market because there's just more and more people getting into that and there's less and less available. So there will be no effect on that. That's like one of the aspects of the hobby that's rising in price from what I can tell um, because there's so much rare stuff. But I think vintage, there'll be some potential opportunities, but it, the really nice stuff still going to be expensive, but I think you could add some lower end stuff, some more common players, maybe lower condition, which is great. That's still a great way to enjoy the hobby. And I think the ultra modern stuff, I think there'll be plenty of deals. I think you'll be, there'll be $5 bargain slab boxes. I believe there'll be uh, tons of dollar boxes and stuff like that. And I think there'll be opportunities to negotiate because I do think that overall it will be a good show. I think if you go there and set up, you will do well. I think there'll be a big crowd. Sure. A lot of people are traveling, will have spent a lot of money on their travels and such, but you go into the show, people are still going to be there to buy stuff. I just think dealers may have to, do a little more negotiating or be a little more willing to move stuff. And I think as a few days go by and they get towards the end, and that's what I'm looking forward to. I, I think I stopped my point there that Sunday. If you have that opportunity to stay there Sunday and stay there for a good portion of the show, I think there will be a lot of opportunities because you will have guys who either don't want to haul certain things back if they don't have to. And you're going to have guys who, you know, maybe need to make a little more in sales. So I think there'll be uh, a lot of 
a lot of stuff that you can pick up for your collection at uh, really reasonable prices. I, I do expect that to be the case, certainly more so than last year or, you know, 2019. I, I even think in 2018, the uh, Sunday wasn't as what it was before because it just seems like the, they're competing against their pricing of eBay, they own their own stuff. So I, I'm interested to see what happens because I think uh, as normal, I want to. This is my first year being there on Wednesday, so. I think Wednesday and Thursday is going to be probably the best day for the dealers. And as the weekend goes on, it might flip. This is going to be an interesting national with way the country and the, and all the recession talk and all that is. I'm, I'm interested to see if the dealers are playing ball because they won't play ball last year. <laughs> so uh, are they going to be buying? Are they going to be interested in straight up sales? I, this is almost uh, more for people watching this year than this for purchasing because I really don't have a set plan going in like I usually do at the national. Um, right now, I, you know, I have things on my watch list, but it's the same thing that I ha always have. You know, I'll probably pick up some vintage I usually do when I go to shows now, but, you know, I, it, this is going to be an interesting national. I think coming out of this we'll know kind of what the future a little bit better what the future of the hobby is and it's going to be interesting it's definitely going to be interesting too because the dealers you know the dealers are going to try and play the card of hey on ebay you're paying sales tax you're paying shipping which is true because you're there yep but then you know the customers are going to be like well you're about to get a cash transaction and not have it on your eBay record or your PayPal record. Right. So you're going to have that. And then the dealers are going to have one of their competition. It's not necessarily even going to be, you know, the guy two booths down or the guy across the room. It's going to be the fact that there absolutely will be a ton of people attending the show, attempting to sell stuff, whether it's right. wax or singles or slabs. I don't, there's going to, the trade night itself, I'm sure will be huge the uh, card collector two trade night. I'm sure there will be pop-up trade nights and such in certain hotels, but it's going to be, I don't think it'll be as big as last year because all the casino hotels, like they're not going to put up with that stuff. Right. Maybe the Sheraton will get overrun. Perhaps they're prepared. Maybe they've been scouring YouTube and seeing the madness of last year and they're going to have right. an army of security there. We'll see. But AC is just, so Chicago is absolutely the best setup for those types of activities because everything's so close and you can move back and forth between the hotels. AC is certainly going to be more broken up. I just know, and you know, you know, the people we know who are staying in Atlantic City are kind of all over the place. There's a few people maybe at the Sheridan. There's a lot of people at Airbnbs and they're kind of spread out. I know a bunch of people who are like 15, 20 minutes away from Atlantic City just for cost uh, purposes so it's going to be interesting to see that aspect of it but there's going to be opportunities to pick stuff up from people who aren't set up there's no doubt whether right. it's trade or buying i'm not a big trade person i'm not opposed to trading it's just for me it seems for what i like and what i'm looking for 
and what I have and what other people, it just seems like it's really hard to match up generally speaking. And I, I've just never loved the trade aspect of the hobby as much as others. I rather straight up buy a card or sell a card and then use those funds to buy a card right. that I want or, you know, buy a card, sell a card, whatever. But it's going to be interesting for sure. It's going to be fascinating. Well, we, I think for you, for trading, you need that second guy to help you set it up on a tee for you. Well, no doubt. <laughs> It seemed to work out pretty well. Well, well, that solid action. The deal of twenty uh, twenty ones national the Otani's for Clemente rookie and cash, um, started by my assistant GM Big Scott thirty five. You know, worked out well, and and that wasn't bad. That was easy to deal with. But I, I was right. more so thinking about because I really don't do that too much with dealers. Right. Um, I'm the same way. But I, with I, the I, trade nights themselves, like those with the young crowd, I'm like, that's just not necessarily my element as well. It's a little. And I guess it. if I guess if you're doing it from a see, I always do those from a perspective as a collector. I haven't done it from the perspective of, you know, trying to acquire stuff just to resell. Like, so maybe I could look at that a little differently in one of those trade night types of scenarios but they certainly are very very popular yeah and, and it just seems to me with the trade nights it's uh, a lot of younger people and uh and they love the hustle and i uh congratulating forbes so they always are looking to to win and they want to win big so they can brag about it um so i, I kind of stay away from that i, I kind of noticed that at a couple of smaller shows uh, where you're standing there and just overhearing conversations. So, and uh, that's the part of the hobby I think is going to go away first is the younger people and the big cards. So I hope they stick around when they can't get those thousand dollar card trades and sales and uh, enjoy the hobby for, for other reasons that same way we enjoy the hobby. Yeah, Which I mean, you enjoy the hobby any way you want to, but um, I just think that's what's going to die off first because the funds are not going to be there. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole mindset of the asset of the cards, and I think cards can be an asset. Right. And I look at things like some of my pre-war, my pre-war collection. I collect them because I like them, I enjoy them, I want them. But at the same time, when you're putting money into them, you, you want them to have a value. And I look at them. And they're the types of cards I know that if I wanted to, I could get my money back or make money. They won't be fast to move because right. there's not as many people collecting them, but there's also no competition. And I see it all the time when I'm looking up certain cards or when I see cards available and I look it up and I'm like, oh, that card was available two years ago. Not too bad. And you see other cards literally not available for five years consecutively like they just don't go for sale on any of the auction houses ebay anything like that doesn't mean they might not be in a showcase at a show i think you could do that to a degree with vintage but vintage is way more plentiful than the pre-war but the players are also more recognizable so therefore a little more collectible because that's kind of the generation people like to collect who they who they are watching or who they watch who they remember and then also family. So, you know, we have families that remember the Mickey Mantles and them and you go before that, that's 
kind of almost like a lost generation in terms right. of you don't have much of the video footage. You you can find it, but it's hard. It's even hard to find some of the photographs. And, you know, people were too preoccupied with other stuff to just talk. It doesn't mean some people didn't pass on like certain players to family members, but times were a little different times, a little harder. And, you know, I think that's something you have to think about with the economy and stuff like that. And it's something that I'm sure, I mean, when I was like 15 and 16, I was hardly thinking about that. You were hardly even barely thinking about your schoolwork or in the next year or two, let alone like real life type of things. And right. there is an inordinate amount of youngsters who are anywhere from 12 to 20 that are just flinging like these thousand dollar cards. And it's like, I look at a lot of them. I'm like, all right, that's like kind of a cool card, but it's severely overpriced. Like it's not as rare as you perceive it to be. It's like, and that player is not necessarily even likely to be a hall of fame type of player. So what happens to that card in 20, 30, 40 years? Exactly. So, yeah, that's uh, it. Will be interesting. Yeah, because that that's kind of you know what I was, you know, trying to get to, I guess. And and that the the watching them is is amazing because most of them built up to that, and and you gotta admire the hustle for that. Because I don't know if I have the the hustle in, in me anymore to do that type of thing. Um, but yeah, and and I don't know if they grasp the the knowledge that those cards will not hold their value later. Um, and they're going to want that value back and make, make money on it. And when that happens, I think that's going to be discouraging. And uh, I just hope they, they love, love those cards and uh, you know, get something out of it and stick around. That That's, you know, I'm not a big, Oh, well, we're, we got to look out for it. The kids are there. You, every show, everywhere we go, it, and they're not all carrying pelican cases and slinging around thousand dollar cards. They're in the dollar boxes. They're you look at ball games. They're in the stands. Um, I'm not really worried about the hobby in that aspect. But you know, I just I want people to enjoy the hobby and not get discouraged. Yeah, and it can be discouraging at times if you if you let it be or if you're talked into it and. I mean, I think that's another thing I wanted to bring up, just having fun in the hobby and collecting what you like and collecting on a budget and it's doable and enjoyable. And there's just, you know, we've brought it up and you've mentioned it. There's so many ways to collect, you know, I still open stuff for sure. Uh, I open less than I used to. And prices have come down to a degree, but wax is still significantly higher than it was once upon a time. I mean, at the national in previous years, you'd get series one, series two for like 50, $60 a hobby box. And now they're, you know, hundred dollars plus jumbo boxes around 200, 250. Like it's still crazy prices. Tops Chrome is going to be insanely expensive, but with the increased retail prices, suggested retail prices on blaster boxes of course that costs us more money if we happen to find it at target or via website walmart wherever you find your retail products but due to that there's a little less profit margin so right. less people are buying it to sell it because 
you're spending 30 plus tax, $33, and you can only get 40 bucks, and then you're paying a fees and potential taxes and all that. Like, there's no profit margin. So that's good if you want to buy some and open it. So, you know, they're there. You have to give more of an effort than you had a five years ago, but you can get the retail stuff. And I still think singles are cheap, generally speaking. Are there some expensive singles? Sure. But as when I look at a lot of single prices, like if you calculate how expensive the products are and how difficult they are to pull, they're really not that expensive. You know, you doesn't mean you can just go buy every card you want. You have to be picky at times or pick up some at a time. But I think there's a lot of opportunities to pick up players, teams, different rookies, whoever you're interested in. There are opportunities to do that for sure at a reasonable price. Yeah, and and I've been hearing a lot here lately about the overproduction of stuff, but they're doing it smart where you got all these chase cards. And, uh, you know, even I've gotten caught up not in buying product for the chase, but, you know, the colors and, and the numbering and, and all of that. And if they could catch an old school guy like me up into that, what do you think it does to the newer people? So, uh, I just, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to the singles, yeah, I, I, I don't know. When I buy product too, I, you touched on how much they are retail. I mean, when was the last time that a blaster went up? Early two thousands? What were they like fourteen ninety nine and went to nineteen ninety nine? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's so, been a long time, so they were overdue for that, right? Regardless. So if I go to the store and it's twenty four ninety nine, or and the chromiums are twenty nine ninety nine or whatever, I mean, you know. I look at it and I don't look at the value coming out comparably. I look at the entertainment value of it. Now that's me personally. And I, and I wish more people looked at it that way. So, um, but that's not the era of, of collecting we're in right now. Uh, so it's a uh, coming out of the box. And I love the feeling of just getting that card you're looking for or the player. Uh, I get excited when I hit Pete Alonzo's. I think you know that. And, um, you know, the, the single value still, if you're a singles collector, it's that's if you're a money guy, that's still the way to go. And it always has been, <laughs> but it's just that ripping addiction um, that, that, that gets everybody. Now, will I pay, $60 for a blaster? No, you're not going to catch me there. But, you know, I, I haven't been that upset about the prices and retail going up a little bit. I mean, the Topps flagship still $19.99 a blaster. So, you know, and you get, what, 72 cards or something stupid in there? So, Yeah, it's definitely fun to break some stuff from time to time, for sure. Right. Um, I was fortunate enough to get a few single packs of Prism Football. Uh, mm -hmm. The new Prism football, which I think they probably ran the presses on them. I think production is most likely up significantly oh, on yeah. those. I was able to get a few blaster boxes. I opened one of them and I got a few of the retail packs, which are $3.99 for four cards. So a dollar per card. I only opened two of them so far, but the first one I opened, um, I pulled a Rob Gronkowski black and white checkerboard prism out of they make like 8 million parallels in that product so i right. still don't understand all of it but i was like dude that's awesome like i was 
it's some sort of retail exclusive. And I was, I was uh, excited because that's one of my PC guys. And I, I, you know, I'm not as heavy on the football PC as baseball, right? But it's definitely extra special when you pull a card that you want for your collection that you would look to pick up, regardless. So, and with, it's definitely fun to be able to break that. And with Prism, and people don't realize, and even some Topps product like the non-numbered stuff sometimes are lower numbered than the numbered stuff. So you got to kind of know what you're looking at. Um, so, but if it's not numbered, it's people look at that first. So it, it's. Yeah. It's like uh, the they, Al- Allen and Ginter Chrome last year, right. 2021, the X fractors, which were one per case, the production runs only 10 on those, but they're not numbered. Right. So nobody, most people aren't going to do the research. It's like, yeah, it's an X fractor. It's probably common. Right. I was able to buy a few at uh, pretty good prices back when they came out because guys, they either didn't know or they didn't care. I was like, well, I'll grab it. Yeah. When you got people that just buy cases for resale value or opening it to get that one hit, you know, which I don't know what, what they're really looking for. Because football to me, uh, we were talking about that. And what's what's a box for Panini? Nine hundred dollars? Has it gone over a thousand yet for the Prism? Prism were fifteen hundred when they came out. Oh, okay. I I don't know. I think they dropped. I but I don't really follow that market that so, strong because I never. The last box hobby box of football I opened, I think was twenty. Whatever year, what was Kyler Murray? Twenty nineteen. Something like that. Yeah. Twenty eighteen or nineteen. I opened a box of that optic and I got it for like 80 bucks. And, and this is from last year of, football season, right? And the year of Mahomes, the year of Mahomes rookie, I opened three boxes of that optic and I got them for like $70 a box. And then once they got to like $800,000, I said, forget it. Right. I opened like a retail box or two if I happen to find it. Right. So, so like this, and this is last year's prism, right? That's just coming out now. Yep, 2021 just came out. So what cards in there are you looking for at $1,500? Because the only cards that are popular are what? what Quarterback cards and maybe uh, whoever a rookie is for that year. Yeah, it's pretty much people are chasing Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence. um, Yeah. 49ers guy. Right. Trey Lance. And we've seen them for a season and are still chasing them. And how many, and which one of those guys is going to be a hall of famer? The few, only the future knows, but I think people also fail to realize how difficult it is to be a hall of famer. Like I like Mac Jones. I enjoyed watching him last year. I had an excellent Mm -hmm. rookie season, Yes, but like he's following in the footsteps of Tom Brady. Like what's he going to be? Right. A couple pro bowls. Like, do I expect him to win a Super Bowl? Not really. Right. Would it be nice if they build a strong team around him and they did? Sure. But it is uh it's a little crazy because football football's really weird too. Like I think we're both primarily baseball guys, and mm-hmm. baseball is entrenched in the history of baseball. Right. It's a family thing. I know people like to talk about football, basketball. This is more popular. Baseball is by far, in my opinion, the strongest market in the hobby, and it still is. Like maybe there's new attention to the newer products for some of these other sports. I just think there's significantly more baseball collectors 
than basketball or football collectors overall. Now, if you look at a younger demographic, a lot of people jumping in. But if you look at football, like football vintage is pretty cheap. Right. Even football, like just inserts and if baseball wise, Ken Griffey Jr., Cal Ripken, Mickey Mantle, guys who played in the 50s. You know, I skipped a few decades there, but 70s, 80s, 90s. There's a lot of people who collect them. Johnny Bench. You look at football and it's not that there's not people collecting in them, but like Dan Marino's forgotten. John Elway's forgotten. And these are like top 10 quarterbacks of all time. Brett Favre, like new collectors, like who the hell is Brett Favre? It's like he was awesome back in the day. It's just so like, what have you done for me lately? What have you done for my fantasy team wise for football? And I feel like basketball to a degree is that way as well. I mean, there's a little more attention, of course, for like a Michael Jordan, but a lot of the stars before that, you just, I I almost look at like baseball pre-war and then football pre like 2000 or like the same thing. It's weird. Like, well, I picked up a Dr. J rookie card and it was sickly cheap that I did it and um, how much I paid for it. And and this is one of the greats in, in, in basketball in, you know, same way I, I I I don't watch a lot of modern basketball, but I grew up in a house that watched all sports, and uh and Dr. J played in Virginia, and I people follow me, they you know I pick up Virginia, so he played at for his rookie season was with the Virginia Squires, and uh, so I picked that up, and just to know how cheap it was, comparably speaking to some of the guys now that come out, it's just ridiculous how much they are. Could How much would that card be? If Dr. J came out now, what, what would that, his rookie card be? And it'd probably be four or five times more. And it's just kind of sickening to think about that. How great some players are, even baseball players. When Vlad Guerrero senior is one, what, one-tenth the price of Vlad Guerrero Jr. It, it is funny when, like, you see people <laughs> opening 2019 product of some sort, and they're like, ah, I got the wrong Vladimir Guerrero. I'm like, yeah, you got the Hall of Famer, and you're chasing the guy who's got, like, 200 major league at-bats at that time. Right. And I think Guerrero Jr. is going to be really good. And yes. if you actually look at their statistics, like, I saw something that was, like, a month ago. And they were on like the exact same, like they had the exact same numbers at a certain point. I was like, that's right. crazy. But it's like, it, it Vladimir Guerrero was amazing. Watch. Yeah. And I saw him a lot with the, he, I mean, he absolutely killed the Phillies. I mean, the Phillies weren't very good back then, but I can remember like, you couldn't and even pitch would, to him. You'd throw a ball down the way off the plate at his yeah. ankles and he would freaking somehow hit it. I mean, he was, he was really good. I mean, he didn't get, probably enough hobby attention, maybe even right. enough national attention because he played in Montreal in front of 357 fans. Right. But it's, he was so good and it's just, but it I is mean, weird. And that's why I like to, you know, not preach, but like talk about like, Hey, like I know you get the tunnel vision and I get it too. Like I like mm-hmm. opening a new product. I oh, enjoyed I opening it. series two. I look forward to update. Like I like, 
and I like everything. I'm not just chasing whoever the hot rookie is. Like, would right. I like to pull a Bobby Witt or Julio Rodriguez rookie? Of course, because I actually think they're a lot of fun to. They're the types of guys. If I'm watching MLB TV while I'm working on something, I'll be like, "Oh, the Mariners." It'll say like Julio Rodriguez bat, and I'll click it on. Mm-hmm. So I like collecting those guys, but I also, of course, like collecting other players that I enjoy and building the Phillies team sets and things like that, whether I think a guy's going to be a hall of famer or not. But like, I feel like there's too much attention towards the here and now and you scale back. That's how you can have a lot of fun and find some value deals. And you'll just like open your eyes to different ways of collecting or different things you can pick up. Um, Rediscovering old sets or, refractors i mean there's a lot of amazing looking cards i mean you want to talk about well i don't like the vintage stuff because it's too cardboard i like the chrome shiny stuff they've been making chrome shiny stuff for 20 years like there's a lot of awesome looking cards so there's so many things and you know they've remade the a lot of those uh vintage cards into shiny chrome cards you know reprints yeah no doubt but like of course it's easier to do that if you're around 40, 50, those ages, because you can look back. But even if you're 20, 30, like you can still look back and see players you recognize and just look back at like performances or players who had an impact in a different way. Cause you got to look at it. Like a lot of the guys now, they're just not all going to be hall of famers. Like they're in your mind's eye right now. They're an all-star. They're one of the best in the league, but I mean, if you go back 20, 30, 40, 50 years and you look at some of the league leaders, you're like, who the hell's that guy? Like stuff like that. So, right. I mean, I don't know. I just think there's a, a tremendous opportunity to diversify the collection, not just from the money aspect, but to find different things you enjoy and that you can pick up and collect at good prices or not. Right. And, and you have, I, and you and I have had this discussion before, like, how fast a player falls, he goes to an injury. I mean, Mike Trout gets hurt and his cards just start collapsing. Nobody wants them. They're almost toxic. And this man is, if he wouldn't have came back last year or this year, he's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. So it's like, you know, it's all about what have you done this week. Acuna was the same way. Um now Albies is going out. His he doesn't have a lot of hobby love to begin with. So, you know, it, it's kind of it's sad that people don't even the the newer the newer people in the hobby, which I love, uh, don't look at what they did. You know the the progression or the whole the whole career. They look at what they're doing right now. It's a stock market uh, mentality, and so. You know, what's the new product? What are you making now? So, yeah, and it's very easy to get distracted because time becomes an issue and such. So, I will, there'll be times where I intend on looking into something or picking up something or thinking about, but you, of course, you get distracted with the reality of real life. Mm -hmm. But from time to time, you got to take a step back and, you know, think about things and look up stuff and just kind of start exploring and that's why some of these other websites are great too like ebay is cool because you can watch different items and look different items up different cards and of course you can go down that rabbit hole of just searching but that's another reason why 
you know, a website like a Com C type of website because you can just sort and flip through and lower end stuff and just start right. adding like fifty cent dollar cards, two dollar cards, um, and be exposed to cards you hadn't seen before, and that's always fun as well. Same thing with value boxes at a card show. Yeah. The showcases are great. You see some amazing stuff, but most of the real gems are buried in those white boxes that no one else wants to take the time to flip through. Right. And I mean, for me, Com C, I'm a Sport Lots fan uh, for my cheaper. Sport Lots is definitely great to buy, but it's right. a little more difficult to explore and see something visually, of course. Right. If you know what you're looking for, it's easy to go grab it. Um, that's how I'm filling out my Mets set a lot of times. Yeah, it's just easier. And and the other problem is, is you don't see the every card. So you're kind of taking the word of the description of the, per, the guy selling it. But, uh, man, that, that's my dollar box. So even that's the 25 cent box of, of the uh, internet. So um, I really, really like that. You just got to watch out for shipping costs so with that one but yeah you're you right be, you gotta be strategic with that yeah and, and try to buy as many off of one seller as you possibly can which that's what i usually do so i have certain sellers too once you know who's selling and and they know they describe their stuff very well that's kind of who i stick with after that especially for 60s and 70s cards for my Mets set so, which I'm almost done with the sixties. I got some big boys to get, but that's you'll get there in time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that might be my target at the show is just to get those three cards. I think I need three. So I'm down to, well, Phillies, I consider like the basic team set is complete. It's just, I do need a few of the uh, super short prints and such. Yeah, Alec Bohm from last year is tough because guys were asking like a grand for it, you know, right away because he was going to be the next great thing. Now guys have went and paid that price for it, so they're still holding out for it, even though it should be like 90% of that price. So we'll see, but in time I'll find a way to pick him up. So back back to the national, how many times are is the term I have too much into that going to be said? Probably a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I I just have a funny feeling that the dealers, this is going to be a standoff between the buyers and dealers at this show. I I do. At at a certain point, though, you would think the dealers will have to cave because they're the ones putting out $2,500 for a table and travel costs and such. Right. And uh, because I think at this point, I think you could throw eBay comps out the window because we're not going up, right? So it's like even going down, I just think it's you better get what you can get. <laughs> we're at that point, I think, or starting to. I think the national might be that point, but that's I mean, I think it depends what it is too, right? If I had some right. really awesome mantle card or a Tom Brady. Yeah, and that's rookie, not what I'm talking about. Like of about- course, like why I wouldn't be in a hurry. I wouldn't take a loss either. I'd be like, I have too much right. into it. I'll just hold it. But if you have like, I don't know, a Fernando Tatis car and he still hasn't made his debut and you put like 1500 into it and it's going right. for 500. 
you have to decide. Do you think he's going to come back and it's going to go up to 750? Because it might, if that 150 means a lot to you, right. or is he going to have another setback and it's going to be 350? Or are you right. just happy getting that 500? That That's the thing. That's the unknown. Right. And that's what I think is going to be very interesting. I'm not saying the bottom. I'm not saying like collapsing, like, oh, a $1,500 card is now $100. That's not what I'm talking about. But, you know, it might be 750 It might be half of what it was. Especially those bigger modern cards that were sold at such crazy prices. So, and flipping back and forth between them. And I just think uh, that, and and to me, it, that's not necessarily have anything to do with the economy. I think that's just the way it should be. <laughs> really, I think uh, people need to wisen up to that one. So. Well, I just think there's so many cards out there, and even though there's more collectors, like there's only so much money to go around. And every year, you're having more and more products and more and more similar types of cards. And there's always going to be a new wave of rookies, right? There's going to be a down yep. year here or there where there's no one as significant. Like you look at last year, and it's as of now kind of a dud year for rookies. That doesn't mean, I mean, you could fast forward 15, 20 years, a couple of these guys could evolve to potential. They could be on the cusp of the Hall of Fame. You don't know. I right. mean, you look back there, the earlier you start, the better chance you have to get there. Of course, if you come up at 19, 20, 21, it's no guarantee, but you have a little better chance. But there are guys like Edgar Martinez really didn't start playing every day till like age 30. Roy Halladay was actually a little older once he got straightened out. He was late 20s. Mariano Rivera, like that does happen. But as of right now, I mean, Alec Bohm, he's been all right. He's been a solid player for the Phillies, but certainly not a type of guy who's going to drive – significant hobby value Cabrian Hayes. I mean, the pirates actually re-signed him. He's an excellent defender. Hasn't hit enough to excite people. Jonathan India has been hurt. Jared Kalenic has just continued to struggle at the major league level. Doesn't mean he won't get things straightened out at some point. I mean, the Mariners have a lot of talented young players, so it's, you know, jazz Chisholm, nice player, superstar. I don't know about that. We'll see. Could be, but then this yeah. year you have this perceived higher ceiling. A lot of people talked about like Bobby Witt was going to be like off the charts. Great right out of the shoot. I mean, he's certainly gotten better as years gone on, but he's is he even made it back up to two fifty yet. I don't believe so. Doesn't mean he won't get there. Wander Franco. I mean, again, his hype was amazingly high. He's had an okay year and he just, He's about to come off a stint on the DL, which, of course, out of sight, out of mind all of a sudden. So, Right, and the Tigers just had a, a call up that we're not going to get. In 2023 Tops, Series 1, featuring Riley Green, Adley Rutschman, and a few yeah. other. Gorman. Uh, and Gorman. Yeah, and, uh, and, and he seems like he might be the real deal, too. So we'll see. That Tigers, I don't know what they got in the water down there in the minors or how they're drafting, but they look like they putting together some youngsters. So uh, that Riley green looks like he's going to be pretty good. I just sad to see that call up. It, you know, a lot of people, I were, wish they wouldn't even make them personally. The series two, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but you know, it was really upsetting not to see Julio Rodriguez, Bobby wick get base cards. 
You know, okay, you gave them as chase cards. Okay, good, good for you, tops. But come on, but let's let's put them in. So now it's going to be a fight when you're an update. What's the real rookie card? I mean, come on. Correct answer. <laughs> well, it depends on the person, but some will say Bowman's best last year. Some will say right. The, yeah, the short print from series <laughs> two. Some will say the tops update flagship. Yeah, and I mean, just and you one. got some guys in that Bowman's best from last year that nobody even talks about as maybe their true rookie or whatever. So I, I just uh, tops being tops, you know. It's, I mean, they're looking out for the business end of it, and so I understand that. But come on. That was that's kind of ridiculous this, for that to happen. I guess what I don't un- I understand there's significant delays with different types of stocks, material stuff like that. Like we're still seeing the ramifications of 2020, even though we're in June 2022. We're still waiting for our PSA orders, and we're seeing the ramifications across a bunch of different industries. Right, so I get it. That's Supposedly the main reason Panini Prism Football just got released and Select Football, which usually should have been out months ago, is still I think that's scheduled for like a week before the national select football from 2021 as they're literally weeks away from the initial preseason game of the 2022 season 2021 select will be coming out. Right. Tops has got done a pretty good job of catching up. Still waiting for 2021 Tops Chrome Platinum Anniversary. That is scheduled to be released finally. Supposedly, we'll see. It's been pushed back about 57 times, I know, because I've pre-ordered since April of last year. Um, That's supposed to be out next Wednesday. So, but, like, so I get those Chrome cards and some of that. The paper cards should be able to be produced a little quicker, I would think. And right. what I don't get is now in today's car world, it's been like this for a few years, like Tops Update isn't really an update anymore. It's just Top Series 3. So they might as well change the name to Top Series 3. Right. Because back in the day, a guy would get traded at the trade deadline on July 31st, an and he'd be in Tops Update. Right. And now a guy signs as a free agent, and I get again this year free agency was wacky and delayed and such, but like these guys aren't getting cards in their new uniforms, and guys getting traded in May aren't going to be an update in the right uniform. And it gets you know, well I don't. And now you're having it with the rookies and such. Like it could happen in one product, but not in the other product, right? So like Gypsy Queen had some of them in their new uniform. And get it, it's airbrushed, whatever. But yeah, and some of them, like, there are a few guys, like, I think Starling Marte signed really early before the lockout right. and such. Or Corey Seager, he's another guy. He's got a decent amount of Rangers fans, or Rangers uh, cards. But right. it is, like, it is, like you said, it's, like, all over the place. Well, I mean, I got uh, Callahan, Calhoun, whatever, however you say his name for the, the Mets, that was an A. You know, he's an A in one product, and then a Gypsy Queen, he comes out, and he's a Met. So, you know, it's I, – I like it. I got his Mets card, but, you know, 
I, it just it's tops being tops. <laughs> I I just wish the flagship they would do a little better job. I right. I'm not saying they don't put an effort. Like I like the way the product looks this year and stuff. Mm-hmm. But sometimes with the checklist too, I look at it, I'm like, who's in charge of your checklist? Because right. I feel like I could do a better job. Right. Like mixing up the rookies here and there, some of that you can't predict, right? So, certain guys just come out of nowhere. But like the selection of guys in series one that are free agents, like I don't like if you know the guy's a free agent, it shouldn't it's not complicated to find well, out. If the guy's a free agent, bump him to series two so you have a chance to get him in the correct uniform. Because when people are building team sets, like you want to have it as accurate for that season as possible. Like, right. like and, the Phillies and, checklist for series two is dreadful. Like it's really bad. Oh, it's really? all guys who aren't on the team. Andrew McCutcheon, who anyone knew wouldn't be back with the Phillies. It just, it doesn't, they liked McCutcheon, but like he wasn't going to get the playing time and he didn't fit what they needed as much. You just, and He's the type of you knew he was going to get enough money. Like he would be the Phillies would have easily re-signed him at a reduced cost and if he were willing to be a platoon player, but he's not gonna want that. Right. So he knew he was gonna move on. Like it's just I don't know, it's weird. Right. And and they tops meets with major league baseball at the beginning of every season. And they have a list of like potential rookies who start in the season They're sp- with the players association. So they're supposed to have all this figured out, and especially when Raleigh green and uh, Ali Ush- Rushman was going to be on the starting lineup, but injuries prevented that. It, it's kind of to me purposely done to promote for next year's product. Like they did with Wander Franco. So it's, it's not a, it's a money-making thing, which as a business, you can't be mad at. But as a collector, I could be mad at it. So. Here's the Series 2. Oh, damn it. They made it. I'm just looking at this. Mm-hmm. Breaking news, at least for what I've seen. There's an ultra-short print of the Philly Fanatic on Bryce Harper's body in 2022 Top Series 2. <laughs> How the hell am I going to get that for my team set? I don't need any ultra short prints. You better start saving up your money. I still I need still the short prints of Nola Schmidt and Hoskins. Anyway, the base checklist. This is for series two. Aaron Nola. Okay. Makes sense. Wasn't in series one. Ronald Torres. He's not on the team this year. Why is he in series two? If he was in series one. Okay. Right. You got the Franco Harper checklist card, whatever. Brad Miller. Brad Miller signed as a free agent with the Rangers months and months and months ago. Why is he in series two? Ranger Suarez, fine. Alec Bohm, fine. A team card. Odubo Herrera. I don't know why he's in there because, again, he is on the team this year, but he was a really late signing. Mm-hmm. So that's like, I mean, he's in this product as a Philly, even though no one in Philadelphia wanted him back outside of the general manager. Right. But like Nicholas Castellanos has a card in this product as – Cincinnati Red, I mean, they signed around the same time. So that just tells me that they put Herrera in the product, not expecting to be with the Phillies. You got Hoskins, you got Roman Quinn, who wasn't on the team this year. He ended up becoming a Philly just out of principle. He didn't make the Marlins, and the Phillies picked him up, and now he's gone again. Hans Kraus, 
I mean, he's at least in their minor league system. We'll see if he makes the majors. And Andrew McCutcheon, who signed away as a free agent. Like, this is Series 2, not Series 1. Like, right. they could do a better job. And I know the majority of people listening or majority of collectors couldn't care less because unless you're a Phillies team set collector. But well, my, point, point. My, my, my point is it's going to be like that for other teams as well, and right. it's watering down the product besides right. just the fact the lack of rookies. Right. Yeah. Yeah, That that's 100%. I mean, like – it it just looks like they don't even hardly try. They just want to get it out, and that's it. So, but maybe we can sneak into the tops Q and A this year, as long as we don't record it. <laughs> we'll see. Is that Tuesday or Wednesday? Uh, that's usually. I think you sign up Wednesday, and it's Thursday afternoon. I think that's how it works. I don't know. It's usually it's all the people that get in early get signed up because they can get up there and line to do it. So, yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, I get it. It's not. It's not. I thought earlier than VIP too. So, it's not easy managing fifty, you know, product lines and all that. It's just there's little things that could go a long way, and we'll see if things change. Obviously, different ownership will be fully ingrained by the time the 2023 product comes out and such. So right. We will see, but definitely appreciate you joining the show today, Scott. If you're listening, make sure you check out big Scott 35 on YouTube makes a whole bunch of videos, shows off his grading reveals, shows off his mail days, does let's talk, has a bunch of guests on super fun channel. Also, if you enjoyed this uh, conversation, check out Mike goes channel. He's mediocre. He's okay. He's been putting up videos, talks a lot about the Phillies, shows off cards, does grading reveals and such. So you can check that as, out as well. Hopefully, if you found this uh, podcast somewhere, somehow, um, you know, try and uh, tune in via Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google. It's on all of those uh, places you can get podcasts and YouTube as well. Definitely be checking out the comments on the YouTube version of this video. Check out Triple Twenty Four Sports Cards. I'm going to give him a uh, free shout out over on eBay. Triple Crown Twenty Four, thirty thousand listings. You can check out, find some cheap, affordable cards. Great deals, chance to add cards to your collection, and uh, you know sometimes some higher end stuff as well. And if you enjoy that, then maybe you'll enjoy his little brother's uh, store, Michael's Card Shop. Uh, around 8,000 listings. So maybe not as much selection, but a lot of stuff on there as well. So you can check out those eBay stores. Scott, you want to talk a little bit about some things coming up on your channel or things you're looking forward to? I know you got a series running. Yeah. So right now on my let's talk, I'm doing like kind of a road uh, to, to the national and I'm kind of interested in my next few are going to be with people that are not going. So, uh, a little different angle about, you know, how they're going to enjoy it. Cause I'm sure they're going to miss it. Um, and starting with, uh, cause I'm Carlos this Sunday night. Um, I'm gonna have to change my time. Hopefully, uh, if he's good with that, because I don't want to go against uh, my buddy here. Um, so we can all enjoy a fun night of, uh, of shows. And then I have, uh, Haas of cards coming up and, then hopefully I'll have uh, 
my three amigos that I hung out with last year, then some housemates before the show. So, and then I have, of course, reveals and other stuff coming up. So, for sure. Hopefully, uh, you know, the future holds some more grading opportunities. It's something we didn't get to on this episode, but I'm sure we'll talk about in the future. Uh, PSA $30 submissions. So, maybe you'll see some more people sending in. Maybe there'll be some more cards that you can consider sending in but hopefully perhaps they'll come down in price again at some point in the future which then in turn hopefully encourages sgc to do the same even though we know csg is rising in price but that could become another 30 minute conversation we're at an hour and four minutes we knew we were going over an hour appreciate everyone listening to hobby talk with mike o featuring big scott 35 Have a great one. Check out the channels. Talk to you next time.